Welcome to Yella Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of Isabombano Center for Biblical Justice. I'm your host, David Kluter, and with me is my man, your man, our man, John Skippers. John? Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Good to be with you. And uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Guys, today with us, we have a special guest. We have Pete Portal. Uh, from Tea of Tree of Life in Menenberg, who has just released his first book, mm-hmm. No Neutral Ground, Finding Jesus in a Cape Town Ghetto. Peter is here to share with us some, uh, something about his story, his ministry, and, of course, his book. Uh, so, welcome, Pete. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Before we get into uh, our interview with Pete, uh, I have a couple of announcements, actually one massive announcement to make. Our next Justice and Theology Forum is happening on Thursday, Thursday, the 12th of September. The 12th of September, would love to see you guys there. It's happening in the evening. Mm-hmm. In the evening. In the evening. So yeah. remember, we've been receiving a lot of inboxes, a lot of, uh, what do you complaints. call these things? Complaints. complaints. I wanted to say complaints. hate mail, but they're not, <laughs> not, not hate mail, but a lot of complaints. A yeah. lot of complaints. Or requests. Like, requests. Requests. Yes. Requests but you guys are always saying that we always do these things in the morning and, and it seems to be always geared towards the pastors and people mm-hmm. who are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to say to everybody, guys, please come through. It's happening at 1900 hours. That's seven o'clock in the evening. In the evening. In the, in evening. the evening. It's yeah. going to happen at Gangstar. Gang Gangstar Cafe in Mowbray. Mm-hmm. Gangstar Cafe in Mowbray. We would love to see you there. We'll be releasing details of the speaker and the topic within the next week, hopefully. Yes, yes. So. Check us out on our website. Check us out on, 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 on social media. Let's get back into our, our interview with Pete. Pete, it's such a pleasure having you here today. Uh, to kick us off, here's, here's my first question to you. So most people, when sharing their testimony, will admit that they were, you know, no choir boy um, uh, before becoming a Christian. Uh, but you are literally, your story is different. You were the choir boy. You were the choir. Uh, Won't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your faith journey, and your current work? For sure, yeah. I mean, that's about five questions in one. (laughs) I mean, uh, that's the podcast wrapped up. Yeah, I... I was literally a choir boy. It's not something I major on, but uh, (laughs) when you you write a book and you decide with your editor to put, you know, a a chapter of your early days, as it were, (laughs) and uh, upbringing... It was a significant part of my upbringing from age 8 to 13. I sang in Westminster Abbey every day. Sure and, right. um, yeah, I learned the Nicene Creed and the all the penitentiary prayers, the collects for the day, off by heart, and it meant absolutely nothing to me, uh, sure. faith-wise. Um, sure. You know, you grow up in that sort of liturgical environment. Now, I've come back to liturgy recently, but um, at the time, as a nine-year-old, you just want to be playing football or something. Right. Um, so that was, yeah, there's some formative years as far as uh, education and music were concerned, but faith-wise, that had no impact at all. Right. Positive, potentially negative. Right. Um, I then went to secondary school. I grew up in sort of the suburbs of, of London, mm-hmm. um, southeast London, and went to secondary school 13 to 18 and you know you go from being a sort of big fish in a small pond to a minnow in a huge pond right. you begin to sure. start talking about all the adult things that teenagers get up to and want to right. talk about and right. um, 
I was just I was just an insecure fifteen year old basically trying to um, do what everyone mm. else was doing. Went right. off the rails in a fairly safe middle class English way. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a relative term, isn't it? But it was actually one summer, the summer of two thousand, that I ended up going to uh, uh, evangelical church camp for teenagers. Um, I had turned off my cell phone because I didn't want any of my friends to know where I was. Right. And the funny thing was, the week before this, I had actually um, used a, a fake ID to get into some pubs in uh, uh, in our local town, and we'd all had a rather messy evening breaking the law and getting drunk as teenagers. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know Jews, I was insecure, far from anything faith-wise. Right. And I got in a fight in a takeaway shop, and a guy in the corner split me up from this other guy, uh, thankfully, because I'd have probably got my, my butt whooped. But... Um, <laughs> And um, the next week, I went on this uh, Christian camp, uh, for want sure. of a better word, and the guy took our names off at the bus was the same guy. Uh, split me up in the, the fight in the takeaway shop. And so I didn't have a grid for it at that point. Right. But something, I think, clocked that God was on my case. Right. Something subconscious. I went to this youth week mm -hmm. and heard the gospel preached for the first time, and I was the easiest convert in the world. I said, wow. if this Brilliant. is true, I want in, and gave wow. my life to Jesus, 18th mm -hmm. of August 2000. Went back to Ooh. school, told everybody that I'd found Jesus, and they should too, and uh, that went down like a lead balloon, as you <laughs> can imagine. Um, and yeah, from from then on, went to university, studied theology, and... Um, but upbringing-wise, it was safe. It was pretty secular. There was a bit of old church denominationalism, right. but it was. Sure. I found faith and found Jesus when I was fifteen. And your current work? And so, right, I I ended up basically dreaming about traveling the world and sharing Jesus mm -hmm. with people from different cultures. I I uh, went to Indonesia as a gap year student with an organization where I just led Bible studies. Basically, I was sure. a nineteen-year-old teaching a bunch of thirty-year-olds the Bible. I mean. It was you know, hopelessly wow. sort of uh, patronized. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but the, as is often the case in these short-term trips, it had a great effect on me. Yeah. Wow. To the extent that when a friend then said, uh, uh, after an undergrad theology lecture, this was now thir three years into my undergrad degree at Edinburgh, he said, Ooh. do you want to come on a short-term mission trip to South Africa? I actually was not interested at all. I had how, no interest in... How old were in, you at this time? Oh, I was in my early 20s, maybe early 20. 20s. Yeah, okay. right. Okay. 22. Um, he came up to me and said, I'm, gonna, I'm organizing this mission trip to South Africa. Do you want to come? Sure. And I wasn't at all interested. Right. I, had, I had no knowledge really of anything South African, no particular mm -hmm. sort of heart or whatever word we use for the nation. And... Yeah. Um, I was working in kids TV at the time and said, no, this is what I'm doing with my university holidays. Kids TV. Kids TV for CBBC. Yeah, we would sure. we would spend meetings uh, assembling giant pogo sticks for the live studio show and working out how to best and most effectively gunge children's parents on, you know, those sort of get your own back shows type of thing for kids. Sure. Right. So that was what <laughs> I spent my time doing. And... A trip to South Africa was not sweetened. Uh, the deal was not sweetened by this friend saying, but we're going to work with a local pastor who used to be a gang leader and we're going to go to Drakenstein Prison and share the gospel with all these oh, prison right. gangsters. And I thought, there's nothing I want to do less, frankly. <laughs> you know, you couldn't get further away from two realities. Yes. Showing, you know, gospel yeah. with prison gangsters and gunging parents. Doesn't sound like a good sell. No, yes. no, well, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. so, so then I said to him, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> and then he played the Christian trump card. Yep. And he said, will you at least pray about it? 
Oh, and so my heart sank. I thought, oh, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll pray about it. So I went and prayed about it and nothing happened, uh, except uh, a week later I got a letter through from the NHS saying that the shoulder operation I had been waiting for for nine months for uh, dislocating shoulder was now finally set. The date was set right, right in the middle of this six-week sure. trip. So I went back to him saying, God's answered. Here's <laughs> yes. my doctor's name. <laughs> And he just said, why don't you phone them, see if they can change the date? So I huffed and puffed and went back, (laughs) asked if they could change the date of the shoulder operation. And the shoulder consultant secretary picks up the phone. And um, I immediately clocked. She had an accent I didn't recognize. And she said, why do you want to change the date? And I said, well, a friend wants me to go on a a mission trip. She's like, well, like a Christian mission trip. I'm like, yeah. She goes, Mm. oh, I'm a Christian. Uh Um, Where to? Uh And I said, oh, South Africa. She goes, I'm from South Africa. (laughs) Whereabouts in South Africa? I said, oh, it's a town outside Cape Town called Pal. I've never heard of it. You probably haven't too. She goes, I'm from Pal. (laughs) I think God wants you to go on this mission trip. So I was like, my my spirit leapt, my heart sank, and I sort of plodded back to my friend and said, I think God wants me to go. Oh, wow. And that's how I ended up in South Africa. We were there for six weeks. We um, met young men in prison gangs in Drakenstein, as was promised. (laughs) Right. Um, Didn't really share much of the gospel with them, just got traumatized hearing their stories. Realized we had very little to offer and lots to learn. And But one of the things we did do was pray. For six weeks as uh, students in this house where we stayed in in Bontiable, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And so I came back, finished my degree at uh, Edinburgh, and um, felt the nudge to go back. back. So I did go back. We met an organization, this friend friend Andy and I, Went back, met this organization called The Warehouse mm-hmm. in Wetton. I'm sure a lot of your yeah, listeners yes, know yes, yes. The Warehouse. Yeah, we had them on the podcast. Well, there yep, you go. Yep. There and, um, Good people. Yeah, brilliant people. And mm-hmm. we discovered that there was another way to do mission, which right. didn't involve well, sort of smash and grab, running into a community, right. getting people to lift their hands. Okay, sure. 50 people come to faith. Now, out we go. Um, it does look nice on a newsletter, though. It looks great on a newsletter. <laughs> and a year, a, a year later, after uh, prayer, walking through Manenberg, uh, with a friend, uh, Jono, who, who mm-hmm. grew up mm-hmm. and still lives in Manenberg. Um, I mean, we probably prayer walked five hours a week for sure. the best part of a year. So, you know, we're talking sort of hundreds of hours of prayer. Um, and I moved in a year later with a young friend who was struggling with heroin. Um, and we can go more into that. But what we're up to now is Sarah, my wife, and I have opened our home to... 18 to 25-year-old guys in Manenberg who are in gangs or drugs or both and need a feasible solution or right. a way out of what their current life looks like. Sure. And we do that under uh, the community uh, that we are called Tree of Life, which is right. a church. We're a church. Sure. Right. And, and we, the church is... we admit it, we're a church. <laughs> and the church is a bit of hesitancy there. <laughs> yeah, well, it took us a long time <laughs> oh, to admit right. it. Yeah. So, let me understand. So you guys are in Manenberg, and uh, this is where you stay? This is where your house is? is we stay in a li- quiet little corner of Manenberg. So, so as you guys moved into this community, like I'm sure there were a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts. What were some of the stories that you guys heard about Manenberg before you decided to go in here? Uh, and some of the like just emotions and feelings that you guys would have gone through as a family as you as you thought about pursuing ministry here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that first year, sort of going into Manenberg, mm-hmm. uh, this it was me and my friend Andy who had led that first mission trip. Right. We both yeah. came back out together. He he came for a year, and I ended up staying. Right. Um, and so we would um, 
go to Manenberg with our friend John, and he would um, show us round, and we he would show us the you know the lines of different gang terms, right. and he would point out the uh, bullet holes, which actually mm-hmm. to you know us was not at all clear that was a bullet hole; it just looked like a, a hole. Oh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's it's all very unspectacular in that right. sense. Yeah. It, sure. What we noticed was lots of rubbish. What we noticed was lots of people on the streets during mm. the day, including mm. kids. Um, we noticed either very friendly people or very unfriendly people. Mm. Therefore, what we also noticed was there, there wasn't an indifference to us being there. Right. Um, so, yeah, we walked and we prayed. And Jono taught us a, a, a phrase when people said, Vad mag so we say, Oz Lupin, but... Okay. That's all we all we knew right. how to say. Yeah, I'm in here was looping, but we walk and pray. That's all we knew how to say. Um, and we did. We just walked and prayed. And um, yeah, so it we hadn't. If I'm honest, like we had watched a what's oh. the word over sort of gory British produced documentary right. on the prison gangs and the Cape yes. Flats. Right. So, right, we have a couple yeah, of them. It's, it's not even couple. worth saying yeah. the names yes. of them. Yeah. Don't look any of them up. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And that had really been our orientation right. into the community. Wow. Um, hmm. And to be fair, we did see a lot of that. Mm. But it wasn't the, the, what's the word? As I say, like a bullet hole is unremarkable. It's just a hole. You right. know, yeah. whereas, whereas these documentaries sort of talked it all up and kind of glamorized it. That's the word I'm looking yes. for. Yes, yes, and yes. so what we saw was actually a vibrant community, mm. um, but it seemed from our first sort of impressions, a vibrant mm. community, but with little to do. What were, so what were some of the, sto- the stories and the language and the kind of narratives that you heard about Manenberg? And you probably still hear them. What I heard, and actually um, I put in, in the beginning of a chapter in the book, was three different people. There's a um, Cosa lady in a taxi who, when I said I worked in Manenberg, she said, no, you mustn't do that. Right. Those people are evil. Right, sure. So that was... Uh, uh, a local black lady, right. uh, a local white man said to me, listen here, pal, what you're trying to do is noble, but those people will never change. Sure. And a Yellow Cape so. Coloured friend uh, sure. said, um, those coloureds yeah. are not the sort of people you should hang out with. Sure. So black, white or coloured, there was a negative story told of... About Manenberg, but also there wasn't even advice. It was like, no, you mustn't do that. It's absolutely imperative you do not do that. There's no reason to go to Manenberg. It's a gang breeding ground. It's a uh, apartheid dumping ground. Nothing good can come out of Manenberg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who can get out gets out. And they'll use you. Your, you know, your. It's a drop in the ocean. All that sort of thing. Like you'll. There's no point. Coming into that, you know, as Christians, fueled uh, often with good doses of idealism and often wanting to make a difference in the world for Christ, we often make uh, some horrendous mistakes or naive mistakes in trying to, to reach across, uh, across culturally and also uh, across economic divides, you know, especially with the, in the community that, you, that you're finding yourself in. And in your book, uh, you admit to a number of these, you know, these, these mistakes and these. Uh, can you perhaps share with us some of, some of those, uh, the, the most common mistakes that Christians, in particular white Christians, mm. white Christians mm. make um, in trying to engage marginalized communities. Golly, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a can of worms right there. I mean, yeah, it's it's the classic thing you're taught in the Northern Hemisphere, in the West, whatever we call it, you know, white is right, 
West is best. Sure. No one ever says that. Yeah, yeah. Of course not. No, no, then that's but 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 ultimately <laughs> that's it. Um, that's often what our outlook in life and potentially even theology yeah. says underneath. Yes. And yeah, and so mercifully. <laughs> God introduced us to friends at the warehouse right. before we did too much damage. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think, so for example, I alluded to it earlier, the, the notion that we go into a place, decide what those people need yeah. from right. us, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the service we can provide them. So bear in mind, now the power dynamic is me as your savior giving you stuff that you need. Right. So any sense of reciprocal friendship has probably been lost straight right. off the bat. Well. Secondly... Well, everyone loves food and, you know, like sure. I have enough food in my fridge, but if you're giving me food, I'll take it type yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. however hungry you are, we love free right, food. Yeah. Um, and using things like food as a manipulative tool to get people sure. to put up their hands to quote unquote accept Jesus into right, their life. Right, right. When actually we haven't asked anyone what they their felt right. needs are, what they could really do with. Yeah. Uh, we've set ourselves up as the, the brokers of... Uh, you know, uh, power in this. Uh, we right. are now distributors of goods and services, right. yeah. quote unquote, in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And really, we just perpetuate a sort of version of a colonial gospel. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and we might be meaning to do good, but ultimately, we then end up creating a dependency mm-hmm. that um, makes us feel good mm-hmm. and becomes more actually about our need right. sure. than any felt needs within a community. Sure. Um, Can I throw yeah. a thought in here? As as a white person as well, there's always that tendency and that danger to kind of come in and say, we know what's best and we uh, we understand this community yeah. and we'll do that. And because of just those apartheid dynamics, I think there's also just always that that, that reality yeah. that very often colored people are prepared to let you play that role because they've kind of been trained or maybe indoctrinated is a better word that that is the role that white people ought to play. So even though they know you're talking rubbish, mm. they still allow you to take control because who am I to speak back yes. to this person? And so it's yeah. almost like this toxic cycle just continues. Sure. Um, both the, the, the taking control and the giving control is both, yeah. And yes. so in the very heart to spread the mission and love of Jesus Christ, we can end up perpetuating the spirit of apartheid. Sure. Wow. And that is an insidious uh, evil yeah. that in our good intentions yeah. we blindly end up doing. We'll, we'll often, and I say we because I've yeah. done it, hopefully less so now, mm. um, we'll go to somewhere and we will hand out a combination of food and hugs and opinions. Right. Um, sure. And, you know, the food's to get people on side. The hugs are to make us feel good, generally. And the opinions are to make those people, you know, really uh, yeah. make good decisions yeah. in their life. Because, of course, something. that's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And, and we end up perpetuating, as you say, John, the, the very narrative that we're trying to dismantle right. through our presence. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deeply ironic a lot of the time. One of the things that we often get as Issa Bombano is, is that why are you trying to marry uh, the stuff that you're saying that's coming out from just pure gospel intention in terms of just preaching the gospel, being Jesus-centered, not being distracted by all these things Mm. that you're talking about Mm. and just get on with the work. Because the work is to see souls get saved. Well, just preach the gospel, just yeah, preach the gospel the list, and, yeah. and stop having these kinds of conversations. Because why are you confusing what the mission of the church is, which is, quote-unquote, evangelism, mm. 
and soul winning mm. why are you why are you bringing this political talk into that mm. apartheid you know how people think socialization yeah. why, why are you yeah, dynamics yeah. why are you trying to bring that stuff and justice things as you go along these mm. in doing your mission why, why are you doing that stuff refreshingly <laughs> that i i don't hear that so often anymore wow, really? anymore yeah, anymore sure. i used to Right. Sure. Potentially because I run a mile from right. that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, you might, might but, be who you're hanging with. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I would want to say it's not a matter of bringing any of that into something. Sure. I'm not bringing any of that into something. You are trying to empty it of those wow. things. Wow. And oh. the moment we like say that. that the gospel is, for example, apolitical, yeah. mm-hmm. um, or the moment we say yeah. it's just about getting souls saved, we right. defer hope for life after death and ignore right. life before death. Yeah. We ignore the reality of the kingdom breaking mm. through now. And I get it, it's now and not yet. And everybody yes, likes yes, to yes. talk about you know, where yeah. we kind of fall along the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and the danger of the revivalists and the charismatics is this over-realized eschatology in heaven right now. And, you know, and, and, but yeah. then the, the, the opposite danger, you know, Satan doesn't mind which way you fall off yeah. the horse, right? Left or right. Mm-hmm. And the other danger is we think, right, well, you know, there's, there's, there's no much, not much hope for this life, right. but as long as we can get someone right. praying a prayer, yeah. give them yeah. a Bible, which they probably sell later on anyway you know I've, the amount <laughs> yeah. of people i've seen sell or admit to uh, selling a bible they were given because everything's currency or the other thing is it's great rizzler papers the point is we can fall off the horse either way right well here, here's a question i'd also ask that 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 person asking me yeah. about souls saved i'd say do you not think the 300 churches in manenberg are, are preaching wow. that gospel wow wow that is basically the gospel we hear a lot yeah um and it's not that we don't want to see souls saved or, you know, we become so yeah. progressive, as right. it were, that we don't think that's yeah. the thing. Of course we want people in relationship with Jesus and our Amen. hope for the future, etc. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the fact of the matter is there is mm. a gospel being preached in Manenberg. And yes. it is, as far as I have come across, yeah. and I can't claim to have exhaustive knowledge right. of every yeah. church in Manenberg's theology, but centers yeah. on a soul-saved Pentecostalism um, that tends to ignore the internal yes. agony yep. people are carrying and puts a, at its worst, sort of religious varnish on top. Sure. We need to think about this thing holistically as we, as we minister mm. in this context. Now, somebody will say to you, that is radical. <laughs> is, is that really the step you take to, to move into Manenberg? Is, is, couldn't there have been a, another way to do what you are doing? Yeah, uh, plenty of other ways. Sure. Plenty of other ways. Um, I've tried some of them. Um, (laughs) And I'm not saying I would never say what we are doing is the answer or the only theologically justifiable approach. Right. Um, What I would say is um, based on the fact Mm. that Cape Town is one of the most segregated cities in South Africa, which is the most economically unequal country on earth. Yeah. if Jesus lived in Cape Town today, I think he would live somewhere like Manenberg. Sure. Because when you think about the first chapter of John, was it Nathaniel saying, Nazareth, can anything good come yep. out of Nazareth? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's literally verbatim what we hear about Manenberg. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so if that was what was told about Nazareth, what the place that Jesus right. came from, yes. I mean, it's, wow. a, it's a reductionistic thing yeah. to say, yeah. therefore, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. But 
you know, I think Jesus would live somewhere like Manenberg, yeah. and good that's, that's, that's the one yeah. thing. The second thing is, if we're going to talk about any sense mm. of revival or transformation, yes. whatever the word we prefer right. to use is, um, then it will not come to uh, Cape Town without those who are the haves, in some sense, giving up their wow. privileges or entitlements, because you're not going to get... Manenberg moving to Camps Bay. Yeah, yeah, not right? going to happen. And there's got to be, I believe, a deliberate mixing up of right. um, yeah. races, um, uh, 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 socioeconomic yeah. right. uh, realities, uh, theologies, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, cultures, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, that looked like moving to Manenberg. Right. Sure. So then the pushback I often get is, so what are you saying? Everyone needs to move to Manenberg. And the answer I give to that is no, and please don't. Yeah, because if that's your question, <laughs> yeah. you've misunderstood right. the motivation behind it. Right, wow. right. Wow. Sure, that's great. Do you think what you're doing is radical or like beyond an Peter's ordinary new, faith? Yeah. yeah, super apostle. I mean, we're being a bit. You've obviously seen my new business card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're yeah. being a little facetious, but yes, you know yes, what yes. I'm saying here. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I think there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could go into the root of the word radical, which literally means root. And if we're right. trying to get back to the root of our faith, then right. let's look at the early church and the Gospels right. and the Apostles. And that was hope coming to uh, Acts 4.13. When mm. the Sanhedrin saw that these unschooled, ordinary men had been with Jesus, they're amazed. Uh, the root of the, 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 the church exploding throughout the world was people with no theological or churchiness coming to know Jesus. And mm-hmm. that is one of our favorite things, is seeing the unchurched find a radical faith, getting to the root of things, sure. is what we are doing. And by what I, what people often mean by that, moving into Manenberg, mm-hmm. radical. Well, it's, no, I, I don't think so. I think it's, um, I think it's reasonable. Right. Um, sure. And I also think that we have to be really careful the narrative others tell of us because uh, I can go to the UK and someone says, what a radical thing you guys are doing. You've given up everything to live in, in Manenberg. Yeah. Uh, or you could ask uh, friends of mine in Tree of Life who are Pete and Sarah. They go, oh, yeah, they're the sort of rich whiteies who live in the posh part of Manenberg. Are either of those narratives true? Well, there's probably truth to right. some some right. of them both. And you have to kind of mix them and come out with a sort of mm-hmm. synthesized version of that based mm-hmm. on the stories told about yourself, but more than that, the story that God's telling about yourself. And there's nothing Mm. radical, I don't think, about obeying the specific call that God has on each one of our lives. For us, it takes us to Manenberg. Yeah. But it could take someone else somewhere different. The question is for me is, is obedience to what God's asking you to do radical? Or is it just normal? Right. And if we think that obedience to God is radical, that says more about us than it does about anyone else. Right. Sure. I want to bring the book into this. And I want you to speak a little bit about the book. Um, In the book, you mention uh, uh, the Crew 62 house. Mm. Uh, What is that? Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that? Absolutely. Uh, The short answer is uh, home. It's our home. Um, Mm -hmm. So Sarah's mother passed away in 2011. And um, Sarah received an inheritance and the Lord said to us um, if you give me everything you've got I will give you everything you need to turn your new home into a habitation for my Holy Spirit Um, we decided we wanted to uh, open our home to young men coming out of gangs and drugs Mm -hmm. we called it crew 62 um, because of uh, 
Carusi are you meaning basically vintage wine vintage uh, mm-hmm. and talking about you know year on year we want to see a vintage in the vin- in the vineyard as it oh, were. Nice, nice. And uh, 62 from Isaiah 62 talking about um, how you'll be called by a new name. Right. Um, and seeing these young guys come in called Skellum or Scully or whatever else yeah, and, yeah. and out they out they go that being called awesome. a new name. Yeah. Right. People mm-hmm. family uh, members when they go back um home on a family visit um, mm-hmm. halfway through their time with us. Family members have sat there just weeping, sure. lost wow. for words at the physical transformation of yeah. their son, wow. let alone the internal transformation. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's Crew 62. It's uh, Currently we have five young men living with us at various sure. stages of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, a sixth is over two years clean now, and he's part of our team. And we oh, wow. also have a house supervisor who's... Uh, in his early 40s, who was uh, in addiction for decades and is three and a half, four years clean. Sure. So that's our team, Sarah and I, and also a mm. um, young volunteer from the UK who's helping out for a year. Right. Mm. Sure. Man, now under, your, your, under, your, under the banner of, of, of your church, Tree of Life, you're, 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 you have also been involved in, a, in, a, in the growth of a number of uh, initiatives in Mannenberg. Mm. Uh, won't you share a little bit about uh, some of those initiatives yeah, um, for sure. that you guys have been involved in? Yeah, so Tree of Life is a community or a mm-hmm. family of families. As I say, we've begun to use the word church more recently. <laughs> We're family all, you of know, families. A family yeah, of families. Like yeah. You should have stuck with the family. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Church is family. Um, yes, nah, yes, now yes. you're just enabling it. Now you're just enabling it. Okay, stick, stick to what, you, what, you, what you've gone with. Do the church. It's very, very Christian, very biblical. Yes, yes. exactly. Church. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's not enough churches in Mannenberg anyway. Well, exactly. Oh, don't even go there. Yeah. That, that, was, that, that was actually a big question I asked a friend oh, in, 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 in the... But it's worth, it's worth just pausing on that because... Mm. Why start a new church right. in a community that we've just talked about? It has 300 churches. Right, yeah. Well, the last thing it needs is another church, right. social workers or trauma counseling or police mm-hmm. or whatever, maybe. Yeah. But that, And I was chatting to a friend about this, and he said, well, here's the thing. If you can make sure that you don't steal anyone else's Christians and that the, um, the, the people who are coming to faith are from the demographics in Manenberg that none of the other churches seem particularly interested in, right. which is essentially gangsters and drug addicts. Right. And he said, if you can really see Jesus transform these individuals and then begin to make a right. meaningful yeah. impact on their own community, he said, well, which area, which community doesn't want one more <laughs> of them? And I'm like, oh, when you put it like that, wow. do you but- see what I mean? But yeah. like, but as long as you make sure you don't grow through transfer growth, yeah, yeah. you're not just trying to hit the good Christians with another meeting. You're right. actually only growing right. through people getting saved. Right. And those are the ones that the church generally yeah, tends to shut its doors from. You know, then everyone needs more of that. You're not going to say this, so I'm going to say it. I think it's crazy that there can be 300 churches in Mannenberg who are loving and reaching the community with the gospel of Jesus. Presumably, they're not... Reaching into drug addicts and gangsters. Summer. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. that's great. Summer. For me, it raises questions about, not just in Manabur, just the mm. church generally saying, what, what are we really doing? What are, what are, yeah. what are we doing? If, if, the, if these are the biggest problems in our community, if these are things that are tearing our community apart, yeah. if we are loving people, yeah. surely that's where we've got to be. Surely that's where we've got to be throwing our time and our resources sure. and our energy yeah. Uh, yeah. into that. From my experience being in the Cape Flats mm. and, and living there and having family and friends, mm. there's this thing that we talk about often is that inherited theology. You spoke about it in terms of people are preaching 
a soul salvation gospel. And, and that is, that is I, I call it an inherited theology in yeah. that people yeah. often don't know what is this integration, what is this, what is this holistic thing look like? Because what we know church ought to look like is, you know, the sermon is preached, hands are raised, people come to faith. That is, that is, that is, that is mission, that is church. Yeah. But on the ground, yeah. you speak to so the to the ladies. Yeah. You speak to the old tannies in the church. You speak to mm. the to the people. Yeah. You, you you hear where people's hearts are. What are mm. their concerns? In our church, for example, there are there are, there are men, there are women who are adopting other people's children. Right. Yeah. And the, the church on the ground, the yeah. individual members mm. in the body are That's doing great. so much. That's yeah. great, yeah. But they're so limited in terms of resources mm. and in terms of connecting those people mm. and also struggling with their kids and their families right. and, and just giving the bare minimum of what they can if it, okay. is, a, if it is a piece of bread. and But as, a, as an organization, the yeah, church is not coming together and saying, guys, what are we doing mm. in terms of either partnering with sister so-and-so who's yeah. already busy doing this stuff or developing a program out of what an activity, right. an initiative, out of what is already happening within mm. us. But there's a problem with our theology. Yeah, that's good. In the townships, in the Cape sure. Flats, of what does this look like for us as the church? In the suburbs. From the, in the, in the pastor. <laughs> what, is this, what does this look like for me working right. with my... And, and there's, there's that breakdown. That's and that's why they are so cynical about church when they come in because yeah. you don't connect with me because there's nothing. But I can connect with my brother who brought me. But I think what we need is 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 this holistic approach in saying the church needs to open its eyes, open its eyes, open its heart where it needs to be reaching. Mm, that's good. Reaching yeah. where it needs mm-hmm. to be reaching. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I want you to dream a little bit. With us, um, so if you can imagine Tree of Life in Menenberg in the next 10 years, your, all your prayers being being answered uh, affirmatively, and your heart and your hard work be, bearing fruit. What would that look like for you guys? In ten in years. Ten years. Yes. It would be that I would be increasingly out of a job. Yep. That it's our vision. Right. That that what Sarah and I do would be um, invisible, enabling, and helping in right. the best sense of the word, um, helping um, those who in the next 10 years have been raised up to be the true from Manenberg in Manenberg for Manenberg yeah, um, for us to be bringing up our family there yeah. um, for relationships with our Muslim neighbors to have deepened and right. grown to the extent yeah. that there's a reciprocity and beauty there that mm. um, leaves people open to what we're living. Um, but mm. at the same time, you know, I, we we've got we've got big dreams. We've got dreams for a farm. We've got dreams wow. uh, in in Philippi, for example. Sure. We've got um, uh, dreams for homes across Manenberg, right. taking in young men um, mm-hmm. who are struggling with gangs and drugs. I mean, a big dream in ten years' time would be that these statistics that keep rising would right. be lowering. Um, uh, another dream is for I I would love to see in the next ten years someone of real influence and standing in a gang come to know Jesus right. and to, for us to be able to walk with them in bringing whole gangs wow. to faith. Uh, we, I mean, that sounds, even as I say it, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying that in a public podcast, but like, why on earth not? Yeah. 
Why on earth not? There's And as I said, there's nothing glamorous or jumped up right, about that. Right. It's just saying, similarly to biblical households, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. You know, mm. um, when, when the groups. head of the household... It's a lot of people, people groups, groups exactly, yeah, that we talk about there. Yeah. Um, turn to faith. Um, sure. I can imagine, I see it prophetically, yeah. whole gangs um, turning sure. to Jesus. Yeah. That's beautiful. Now, that will bring up enough questions mm. for us to answer for the next 10 years <laughs> sure. uh, on how we then go about it. Might change some of our theological curriculum. Yeah. Well, right. You know, I'm thinking we're going to be asking some different questions. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking back to my theological education, and I don't think they. Yeah. The, I was equipped to deal with the kind of questions that I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. In in the gangs, there's uh, brilliant leadership structures. Yeah. And discipleship. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, entrepreneurial. Um, brilliant uh, initiative. Yeah. Um, apostolic community to community wow um, yeah you know like there, there's a whole bunch that people have worked out as effective ways of spreading a message and raising people up right um obviously under essentially a demonic <laughs> covenant that you sure. made and the complete abuse of power and all the rest of it right but but we can learn a lot around our mission and ecclesiology and the way we do things sure. through and and that i think is what a local wow. theology might look like wow sure yeah that's oh. brilliant. So basically in 10 years' time, deep in relationships and still learning. Yeah. Wonderful. Brilliant. Obviously, Mannenberg didn't just happen. Uh, mm, Mannenberg yeah. has come and Mannenberg has, has come about from a, a history and an intentionality um, of apartheid government. Mm. And um, I mean, just this was this week, last week, we we're seeing like the, the army being sent into into the Cape Flats, Manamung in particular. And um, I'd love maybe just to speak a little bit about that. Do you you think that is what's needed? Do you think it's going to make a difference? Mm, Um, And particularly maybe just, of the history of how a community like Manamung even comes about. Um, Is this going to make significant difference? Is it going to change things? Manamung is a community perpetually on the brink of or engaged in civil war. Sure. During times of war, we need the army. Right. And what we hope is through peaceful intimidation, so just that presence, um, we will hit a level of calmness. Uh, uh, I I hesitate to use the word peace because when gangs call a truce, it's not peace, it's just rearmament. But I was thinking about it the other day, and I thought, I wonder if it's a bit like someone realizing they're depressed Mm. and taking a medication to get them to a point of stability where they can then begin to rebuild and grow functional rhythms and beliefs. And I wonder if in that sense the army could act as that kind of almost antidepressant right. community that's great. That's great. I don't know if that's a really horrible thing to say or if that works, right. but I was thinking about it the other day. So that, with the army there, truces have been called. Very few bullets have flown in Manenberg since the army arrived. Right. Let's acknowledge that and celebrate that. Right, right. But let's also say that is not a long-term building strategy. Yeah. That's a crisis prevention. Right, yeah. So then the question is, this is where the real work gets done. right. And how we answer what the question, what is the real work, right. will differ. But for now, it's a good thing. Right. Um, as I say, uh, it's a community at war with itself a lot of mm. the time. And so just to get a respite so that mm. people can go to work, kids can go to school. Right, right. Um, is, is brilliant. 
Yeah. yeah. But I, I hear exactly what you're saying. It, 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 it is reminiscent of an apartheid-era shutdown of communities right. and all of that. The, the thing, though, is, and I, this is what I hear you saying, is the problem is the army comes in and there's that respite. And now it's, like you said, I, I actually, I quite like that analogy. It's, it's now it's a chance to, to giving you a respite to actually get the hard work done, yep. to do the stuff, the long-term stuff. The problem is very often the army is going to go in, and I suspect, I hope it's different this time, but I, I, I'm going to confess to being a bit cynical, mm. is the army is going to leave and it's going to be business as usual. That may, that may be the yeah. case. And, and, I think, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a cynical thing. So yeah. I think that's a fairly reasonable thing right, to say. Right. Um, because, but what we hope is that in the, say, six months that the army are present in Manenberg, that they do enable the police to do raids and get right, guns right. and uh, incarcerate um, some of the movers and shakers in that. Obviously, then you've got a whole other issue around um, the court system and right. all that sort of thing. But um, pray for the army. Pray right. for Manenberg. Pray that yeah. uh, that a peace would prevail. Pray honestly for the incarceration of those who mm. are causing death and destruction. Yeah. And the subsequent transformation of those individuals. Right. I, I We were praying the other day. There was a young girl, 18-year-old girl, shot in the head. She was two months pregnant. She died on the spot last week. Her name sure. was Tasneem. And I was I was hit really hard. We drove past her body on the way, uh, oh. a friend of mine and I, uh, on the way out somewhere. And... We prayed for her family. Yeah. We prayed for her yeah. siblings. Yeah. We prayed for her neighbours. And we prayed for the young guy who shot the gun. Yeah. Because that's going to have to be a hefty dose of tuk or unga to try and deaden the pain of the realisation of what he's done. Sure. Pray for the perpetrators as much yeah. as we pray for anyone else. That's great. That's lots, lots of complexity, lots of... Mm. And I'm sure you you guys probably also have your take on this and, and, and what is needed you guys were speaking, I was just thinking, you know, that real work question at the end of it, um, how much of these things is, as, we, as, we, as you respond to crisis, do the necessary people come alongside that government, that social workers, mm, that's NGOs, yeah. that's all those guys and saying, okay, after these six months, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're planning. Right. Here's, here's how we're planning. Uh, those incarcerated, what, what, are, what are the prison systems and what do those things look like? I mean, it's it's so complex. I don't oh, even totally. know where where to begin. Mm. How does this look like? What kind of money are we talking about? Right. But but but, but I just feel like we 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 as the church we need to mm. we need to we must not undermine prayer. But we must Absolutely. not undermine our, our, our need for 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 gospel mm. uh, work. Our yep. need for our need for 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 social action at the same time. Mm. Um, You're absolutely right. One of the fundamental values of tree of life is prayer we're part of the 24 7 prayer Mm. movement on the 4th of august for two weeks non-stop so that's 168 hours times two um whatever that is i can't do it in my head uh we we are going to pray night and day for the shalom of manenberg we do that every quarter Mm. as a community we pray night and day yeah uh, saying spirit break out Jesus, um, come and transform this community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, join us from your homes or even get in touch with us if people want to come and pray for the peace of Manenberg. We're starting on the 4th of August until the 21st. And we can can put the details in the the box below this this podcast. podcast, You can just look below on SoundCloud or whatever. And if you're keen to get in touch with Pete and Tree of Life, we'll put the details there. Pete, how does someone get hold of your book? Great question. Um, you can get it at Exclusive Books, Exclusive mm-hmm. Online, Take A Lot, 
and loot. It's and on it's Amazon as well. Yeah, it is available on Kindle. John yeah. has it. I've read it. Yeah, John, John's I've read, read it. it. I've John's read it on Kindle. John's, there we yes, go. Yes. So that's how I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he promises it. to write a five star. Oh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We were just talking about this. How we read <laughs> yes. and then I forget to review. Listen, um, 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 this is the second book. That yeah. is the second second book that we that we hosting and, yeah. and, and asking the Lord to yeah to just use it in a very mighty mighty mm-hmm. way. And so I it's the second book that I'm promising to get. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna definitely get this one because I think there's so little stuff written about what does it look like for gospel ministry mm-hmm. um, in, a, in the real South African context. I want to thank you, Pete, for for being with us. There's there's not a launch coming up for something something happening. Yes, I heard a little birdie chirping. Yes, indeed. Um, on the fifteenth of August at seven o'clock at the Young Blood Gallery at number seventy Bree Street. Right. Mm-hmm. Details below. That's a lot. Yeah. Details below. Um, we're having the official Cape Town launch Brilliant. of No Neutral Ground. There will be a cash bar, some nibbles. There'll be a uh, the, the 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 trailer. We're going to show the trailer movie and lots of interesting, brilliant, uh, fun people. Books will be on sale right, uh, sure. at a discount. Yeah, at a yeah. discount. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, you heard okay, now, you heard now, that now. now yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I know where to get my book. There we go. I that. am a physical. You know, I'm not a. You see what I did? Though? Yeah. I lured you in with food, yeah. and yes, then I and gave you the thing that I want for you, rather than yeah. I think you lured him in with discount. That's what I'm saying. But 15th of August, we're doing the official Cape Town. Um, we'll put that it's an us, open yeah. invite let's try and Brilliant. pack the place it'd be let's really fun let's do that that's yeah. great guys I, cool. I want to recommend I think you'll, you'll love it it'll be good mm-hmm. to connect good mm-hmm. to support Pete mm-hmm. good to support the work they're doing in that community so get there 15th of August if you want an autograph from John John will be there David will be there if you but not so much go me, get John. a selfie with yeah. John yeah. you've heard of us but now you will meet us now you will meet I'm kidding I think you want to see Pete I mean, <laughs> Pete. Pete will be there Pete will be there come and meet the man yeah. and, and come and meet the other guys we're signing out listen up guys you can remember you can always check us out on Twitter at Yella Mensa that's mm-hmm. Twitter at Yella Mensa mm-hmm. come on Yella Mensa mm-hmm. uh, and also don't forget uh, Yella Mensa is available on iTunes SoundCloud and Spotify so go Give us your ratings. Give us your likes. I'm David. As always, I'm about to sign out. John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to leave with a bang. I want. I want people to hear this. You want, this okay. is one of our. This is one of our big partners. This is. Okay. This is. You guys need need to oh, hear this. Okay. Listen, guys. This audio was produced by Exilic Music. Shout out. Shout out. Exilic mm-hmm. Music. You can find them on www.exilic.co.za.